Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and with me today is the fascinating Joshua McLeod. How's it going, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Andy? I called you Andy as a term of formality. Hey, you can call me Andy. That's that's what my mom calls me. <laughs> so that's good. I have this habit of, of calling people who go by Jim, Jimmy, and people who go by Jimmy, Jim. So I love it. Keeping them on their toes. Uh, yeah, no, that's cool. That just like... I was like, mom, <laughs> wait, I mean, I mean, Joshua, uh, uh okay. Anyway, so <laughs> Joshua and I have been on a few episodes of empowered together. One of the sister podcasts of this show on the fancy bat podcast collective. Um, and he's just kind of an interesting guy all around. Does a lot of archival types of things, has a big interest in game shows, mystery science theater 3000 and our topic of today's episode. Uh, I don't know, Joshua, you're just, you're a cool guy, is that right? Uh, not what the people at school called me, but, well, actually in <laughs> high school they did, but I think that was just because they took pity on me. <laughs> you formerly did a podcast that was based on Mystery Science Theater 3000, and then you suggested we do a theme park based on Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, and I see a connection between those two, where it's, you know, the original footage is being more or less repurposed for a comedic purpose, you know, it's people talking over or redoing the voices. And I think that adds a ton of comedy, like, um, the film, uh, Kung Pao, for example, like, I just love that kind of stuff. It, it's, uh, I don't know. Talk about that. I, I don't know what it is sort of, I kind of like the idea of just basic shows. Cause when you think about mystery science theater 3000, it's a very basic concept people take pre-existing movies and they watch them. Now, I understand a lot of work went into the show, and same with MXC, same with a lot of things, but when you think about it, in their simplicity, it's just brilliant. Now, for those who don't know, do you want to describe in depth what MX? because we've talked about it, it's an overdubbed show, but do you want to talk about the format of what MXC was? Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. It's a competition TV show. Like, if you've seen the American show uh, Wipeout, uh, Wipeout's basically a knockoff of this. And actually, they've been sued, which is kind of cool, by the companies that created uh, MXC. And so MXC is created by RC Entertainment, and they took this uh, Japanese show from the late 80s called Takeshi's Castle, and uh, they overdubbed the whole thing. They scrapped the entire orig original audio and just use the video of people doing these kind of zany challenges, and they overdub it in a very comedic and off-the-wall type of way. But it's still entertaining to, like, watch the people, you know, jump on the thing and fall off. But there's also this added layer of comedy where everyone's name is, like, a joke, or they set it up so it's, like, these playoffs, like one team being, I don't know, dock workers and the other team being nurses. That was just an example, like a random thing. But and they, have, they generally have nothing in common. It's like two people who would never, ever meet in real life. <laughs> right. Like people who work at country music stars versus people who work in espionage. Like those have nothing to do with each other, which is why it works. Yeah, it's it's totally random and off the wall, but it's it's really funny and really good. What's your history with MXC? I first saw MXC in 2004. Uh, my dad told me, turn on to channel 38, and if you had Time Warner Cable at the time and you lived in the greater Kansas City area, uh, that was Spike TV. 
and it was this cool uh, Japanese show where they, you know, like you said, they, where they took this footage, and I, it took me a little bit, I'm not going to say uh, a lot, I think maybe it took me about five minutes before I realized, oh, they've completely changed, like I knew that it had been overdone, but it took me a little bit to realize, oh, they've completely scrapped this thing and rewritten it from the from the ground yeah. up. This is not a translation. Right. Which is funny because I went to when I went to school, I remember people saying, "Oh, they just translate it." And I'm like, "No, they don't." Yeah, it's totally different. Um, the original Japanese version is still pretty crazy. Like they're still doing those same physical actions, but just like the setup of the show is a much more. I don't know if serious is the right word, but you know, it's a Japanese game show. Like it's going to be pretty crazy. I don't know. I just, I love the idea that it's called most extreme elimination challenge. Like I might've heard of the show before I ever watched it. And I was like, that show sounds awesome. And it sounds kind of Japanese. It's got this kind of over the top, you know, too many adjectives kind of, kind of uh, title. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was a big thing when they were coming up with the show and the, we can get into the history of MXC if you really, really want to hear it. But of course, when they when they made this show, the number one rule, they didn't have many rules when they made this show. But when they did the number one rule, we do not ever make Japanese references. If you watch MXC, like there's no Japanese reference. They're not commenting on the fact of, oh, isn't this Japanese person crazy? All the contestants have very Western or or uh, European styled names, but I was a huge fan. I was there from probably season two till season five. It was on for five seasons, but uh, and it, I bought all the DVDs, and it was one of those things where I just loved the show, and I thought it was funny to watch, and I thought it was brilliant in its simplicity. And that's kind of the type of television I like are things that are brilliantly simplistic, which MXE is. Oh, totally. And I don't want to get too deep into it, but I later on I was able to, like long after the show had ended, I tracked down a lot of the people that worked on MXC and interviewed them. So, if you want to hear my interview with Paul Abeda, the creator of MXC, wow. go to the JM archives and look up Paul Abeda. It's on YouTube, and you can hear a lot of really interesting stories about MXC and the making of it, and about the subsequent. Uh, you, you actually do, I, again, I, he said I could use it, so I used it, which is a lot of the stuff about the lawsuit with the show that shall go nameless. Huh, interesting. So where do we find this on YouTube? What do we search? JM Archives. It's JM Space Archives, and you'll find all my interviews. Right now, there's only about six, but we're hoping to add more with time. Cool. What other kind of stuff is on that channel? Primarily uh, uh, interviews with film distributors and tell independent film and independent television distributors because that's kind of my niche is the history of independent film and television and the people who make this stuff and sell it and distribute it because it's a it's a market that's not really well documented you'll see these companies these companies that were massively uh important in selling things to television and and selling film and television things like that and you won't even find like a Wikipedia page right. on them. Not that Wikipedia is the end all be all of knowledge, but it's a good barometer. Knowing what I know about the yeah, internet. yeah, and these people have history, but you can't find any of it online. That's so cool, and that's so important. Like, thank you for doing that. I love when people catalog catalog and go through the history of you know these important kind of niche type of things because it's it's cool to see the impact a single human being can have, even if you're you know a video distributor you know, film directors and stuff like that get a lot of, a lot of credit and they have, you know, the, 
the director's commentary you can listen to and learn more about the production but there's a lot of jobs involved in getting all this art out to the masses and you know pop culture owes a debt to so many individuals working behind the scenes and seeing them get some recognition is is really really awesome i really love that so yeah i'm definitely going to check those out that sounds fascinating it is a little dry because they're an oral history they're not they're not podcasts like this, so. Yeah, and I listen to a lot of more dry podcasts because I'm I'm just fascinated by the information itself. You know, there don't have to be a lot of like jokes and like air horns and fart sound effects. Like I'm I'm gonna enjoy the content for what the content is. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent like entertaining in a, a, a in that kind of way. It can be entertaining just in the the substance itself. You know, just get the information. It doesn't have to be presented in this like humorous or captivating way necessarily. Speaking of podcasts that are uh, not very entertaining. Um, we're here to uh, design a theme park. And this whole show, I mean, this whole kind of genre of TV shows, is pretty conducive, I think, to a physical experience you can go to and, like, do the thing, you know, be the contestants. I think that's a, a pretty obvious fit. But what are your general thoughts about translating this into a, a theme park? There's two ways you can translate it. One, one you can translate it as the MXC version, or you can translate it as the Takeshi's Castle version. Uh-huh. Yeah, so let's talk about some of those specific challenges, because either approach we take where it's kind of, you know, you're seriously competing in this, or you're trying to kind of be funny with this, it's like the obstacles themselves are going to be the same. Yeah, what are some of the your favorites? So we have, and I'm going to go by the MXC names, because <laughs> the Japanese names don't always right? translate, but... We have Sinkers and Floaters, and Sinkers and Floaters is a game where it's like a little pond that stretches however far, uh, and on, in the pond are some, some st- polystyrene stones. They're designed to look like stones that are, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe one, maybe two, two feet long, two yeah. feet wide, uh, and there's, it's enough to stretch across from one side of the pond to the other. And the idea is you run over these stones and try to get to the other side. Now, some of the stones are anchored to the ground. So if you step on them, they'll, they'll be sturdy and structured. And then some of them aren't anchored. They're just like tied down with a rope. So if you step on them, they will sink. And so the idea, you can play it two ways. You can either very steadily go stone to stone to stone and hope you don't step on any that sink, or you can just go full force, run across, and hope you make it to the other side, hoping that if you step on a, step on a sinker, you'll have enough momentum to at least get to a floater so you can regain your composure and keep going. Totally. So, yeah, usually going fast is a lot more entertaining, but, you know, if you're trying to win, yeah. it, more people would probably go slow, like testing the waters if, if they can, trying to be cautious. But, uh, yeah, I think I think the, the spirit of the place has to be has to be correct. You know, it's, it's not about trying to win necessarily. It's like just trying to have fun and like, it's going to look funny to people who are watching no matter what you do really. Cause you're going to end up in the water half the time anyway. And that's kind of, a lot of times that's, that means you've lost is if you fall in the water. And so people are going to have a good time just watching you, whether you succeed or fail. Cause it's kind of rare to win and then it's funny to fail. So <laughs> perfect. You know, theme parks are usually about the uh, participant having fun rather than the people watching having fun but at this park it can be both hopefully sometimes there'd be a game where it'd be like all a bunch of people would play it at once where it'd be like everybody climb over this wall Mm -hmm. and then on the other side of the wall is like a giant slide 
So you could do something like that at the opening if you want to get into the park. You got to climb over oh, this wall. Oh, that's cool. And then it kind of you could set it up so it's themed like Takeshi's Castle. Like you're trying to scale the walls of a mm-hmm. castle, trying to kind of invade. Yep. There are there are these kind of like loose thematic elements to the show that we could kind mm-hmm. of build into a more cohesive thing if we wanted to. Not that we have to, but yep. setting the whole thing up like a castle could be kind of cool. The original show, how it worked, uh, Takeshi's Castle was it was an army trying to attack a castle. So there's these like hundred some odd hundred plus contestants, you know, would go through these challenges and then, you know, would be eliminated challenge by challenge till there were only maybe like six or seven usually left at the end of the, at the end of the episode. And then what they would do is they would all pile into like go-karts with, uh, with little paper rings on the front and each of them would have a water gun and you would tr- they would sh- try to uh, go against Takeshi's army, who also were in carts with little paper rings on the front of the cart and water guns. And the idea was to 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 try to break the the ring of the main Takeshi's main cart. And if you did that, then you'd you'd win. Like it was like a hundred. It was a million yen, which is about eight thousand dollars American at the <laughs> nice. time. That's just such a cool mechanism. It, just like soak the paper till it breaks. Like that's that's so simple, but such a captivating mechanism. Like that that's really cool. And it was it it was and it's one of those things where it's set up in a way to where the house has the advantage. Mm-hmm. Which is fair. Where obviously yeah, if like you're trying to take over Takeshi's castle and that's the name of the show, they can't do it every single episode or that's not very entertaining. Yeah. So I think of the of the hundred and 30-ish episodes of that show that were made, I think there were like eight winners. Wow. If I'm remembering my math correctly. Oh, I like that. That's good. I mean, it's like, who wants to be a millionaire? If it's like, everyone wants to be a millionaire, so everyone is a millionaire. That that wouldn't have been a very entertaining show. It's kind of, the high stakes of it makes it more fun. So, another game they did that I always loved, it's called Boulder Dash, which is a pun in English, and it was, ironically, it was actually called, like, Boulder Run in the original language, so it's actually huh. unintentionally a translation. Uh, sometimes cool. that sometimes that happens where, and lest we say when they created MXC, they didn't have notes, they didn't have translations, they just had the footage. Right. That's all they had to go <laughs> off of. They didn't have any of that stuff. But it's That's how awesome. this game this game works is it's like a narrow chute, and you have to run up this narrow chute while they roll these huge polystyrene boulders down. And you have to try to get to the top of the chute without getting hit by a boulder. And it's one of those things where, like, they would only show, like, I think eight or, like, a very few people playing it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Because when the boulders get to the bottom, even though they're made out of polystyrene, you still have to move them back up to the top of the hill. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's one of those of things. Yeah, it's one of those things where I've always kind of, like, it seems like it, it takes a lot of time to reset. With the stones... The, the aforementioned stones, there's really no reset. You just right. pull the person out of the water. <laughs> you may, Maybe you have to, like, stop the stone from moving if it's like, kind of looks like it's moving, and then send the next person. Yeah, true. It's, it's pretty simple. You just need a couple lifeguards, like, and a lot less lifeguards than, say, uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, which I know you're into. But if you watch that show now as an adult, you notice that there are a bajillion lifeguards everywhere. <laughs> I don't think we'd need that many because, I don't know, it's not 100% kids in this in this place, hopefully we wouldn't have as many, I don't know, uh, issues with our insurance company, but yeah. They did a version. There was a pilot they made again, because I know all this there. They made a pilot of 
of Legend? Uh, well, no, of Takeshi's Castle oh, okay. in the U.S. Kind of like this was this was years before MXC, mm-hmm. and like if you watch this pilot, there's like a lifeguard on each side of the pool. They like 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 every two feet there's a lifeguard on this pool like wow. on both sides of the pool and it's like every i think maybe like five maybe two feet is an exaggeration but it's like there's like six lifeguards for this one challenge i'm like i know these challenges are kind of you know impressive but i don't know if you yeah like you said i don't know if you need that many you certainly need some yeah and it might be the the restrictions are probably tighter nowadays and in the u.s versus you know late 80s japan but yeah and I'm, I mean, I'm okay with it if I'm a real competitor in real life. But when you're watching the footage, it looks a lot dorkier if it's clearly very safe. <laughs> Sign this waiver. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, I think they had a lot of. There was one show I know where they had like a. There were a bunch of. Oh, you guys talked about it, Survivor. Yeah. Um, uh, which I differed a little bit on your opinions, but the the thing is, like when they do those challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you never see it, but like, there's like an arm, there's, there's an army of people behind the cameras, right? Like medic teams and stuff like that. You mean medics, lifeguards, and not even just that, but like production people, producers, cameramen, you know, op, you know, various television people. We never see them because that's not what they want to show us. Very true. And so we could kind of set it up that way where the lifeguards are on the same side of the pool as the camera, which that's something to talk about. Is there going to be a camera? Will this, will there be an audience or is it just kind of live? Like whoever's in line for the attraction is the audience. I would do They did a, you could easily do that and have it be like an audience, but I would, I don't, I don't know how theme again. And I know that this is, this is just a hypothetical. Right. We're not going too in depth. I don't know if legally you can film people entering it. I guess if you put up the notices, you're being filmed. Yeah. But at that point, I don't know if you can then sell it to, Mm-hmm. Or have it be, you know, on a on a monochrome. Although it's probably a good idea to do that anyway if you're doing this kind of stunt stuff. Right. It could be uh, in you the certainly could in the warranty or the fine print of when you're buying the ticket. It's like you're buying a ticket to be a a participant, um, you know, a non-union worker in this television show, <laughs> and uh, also you might have to fall in the water a lot, which might involve uh, drowning. So well, someone actually <laughs> told me that. That's how they. That's how they did it on. Um, I don't know if they. There was a because I talked to someone who worked on not American Gladiators, but kind of like an American Gladiators type show. Oh, cool! And what what he told me was the way we got around it. The way we got around uh, legally is we hired the contestants. The the company hired the contestants, so that way if they got hurt, they could file for workers' compensation. Wow, that's cool. I don't. I don't know if it still works that way, but that's certainly how it worked for a long time. Yeah, and I mean, especially in this context, let's go with mm-hmm. that. I think it makes a lot of sense. And you could film it then, you know, at least for putting out, like, the the advertisements for next season or whatever. It can be yeah. using real part guests trying out the new attractions. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, oh, yeah. Also... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. with the uh, <laughs> with Boulder Dash, Boulder Dash, you could have... Um, the boulders end up at the very bottom of the hill when it's done. Like they kind of drain down there and then there's just a, um, one of those conveyor belt type things that just drags them up to the top, like, a um, almost like a ski lift type thing. So it can just be an automatic system that just keeps going all the time, like a fountain almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you could have it so that it can be a continuous flow of, of traffic, which that's something we should probably try to make more efficient than the original is like 
make it so people can just keep going through and keep going through, pumping through that, you know, the churn of people. Because on the show, it's always, you know, kind of three, two, one, go. And I do think we have to control pacing a little bit, but making a little faster pace and work through the line would be, would be good. Yeah. And it benefits because it obviously more people in higher volume. And you know how carnivals, you know, they have the sections where you get a, you know, you, the, the, we, we don't typically think of them most for like amusement parks, but you know, they'll have like the, the carnival, carnival games. Thank you, brain. You know, <laughs> good job, up, brain. pick up the bottle with, pick up the bottle with the fishing rope and win a prize. Mm-hmm. You know, why can't we, you, instead of move on to the next challenge or whatever, like it was on the original show, why not, if you make it across the stones, you get a prize. And it doesn't have to be something big. It can be something like, you know, a cheesy stuffed animal or a keychain. Yeah, I like that because, you know, getting el- eliminated is probably not very fun to the theme park goer. So if they fall in the water, that's punishment enough. You know, let them go on to the next challenge. Maybe there are some that are locked behind a specific you know, progression, like you have to win half the challenges before you can play at the, the finals or whatever, or do the little go-kart attraction with the water guns. But I think having most of the park accessible to everyone is probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. Another thing I want to talk about is some of the games they did where they played against the picture in the American version. Um, I don't know if you remember that there's one they did that I always somehow I just thought was brilliant when they did it. Uh, did you ever see the tricycle race? Uh, it doesn't ring any bells. On MXC. Did you ever see? Okay. Did you ever see the horse race? I don't know. Were they real? They okay. weren't real horses, right? It's the they were not real horses. Little. Um, yeah. They were. They were people wearing roller skates. Right. With these kind of these horse. I would almost <laughs> describe this like plastic horse suits that kind of constricted their arms but they, they were like it was basically the back of a horse and uh with little kind of cartoon jockey uh foam jockey characters on them you know a sort of like a faux horse race yeah yeah i remember that and one. if you if you watch the original show with the original dialogue they're commenting on it for what it is they're saying isn't this silly it's you know ha <laughs> like can you believe it these people wearing these horse costumes <laughs> that's what it was in the original show uh-huh but on MXC, they took it and they played it the other way, which was they played it like this is a real horse race. These are real horses. <laughs> these aren't people in costume. <laughs> so it's like, look at these majestic creatures. Even though like the, the winner is like miles ahead of the other horses. Like, oh, man, that was too cool. We got to go to the we got to go to the replay to see who won. <laughs> and uh, the other one they did is the tricycle race which was called, uh, on, on the American version, was called Tour de Grand Prix, uh, or Tower de Grand Prix, if you aren't super <laughs> hip on French. And it was, it was basically adults on trikes, like, like little tricycles that had kind of been made up to look a little bit like dragsters, just a little tiny bit, but they're clearly trikes. Mm-hmm. And we know they're trikes, and you, they go around this little kind of course that has a little elevation and it's the sort of thing and first person to cross the finish line or like the first two people to cross the finish line move on or whatever and again like the original show they're like again the commentary is basically like isn't that dumb or isn't that silly you know they're they're riding tricycles you know adults on trikes ha 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 make it and they're making the sounds the actual noises of a of an engine sounds these adults on these trikes uh-huh. and for what it is in Japanese, that's kind of funny, but that doesn't really play well in English. It's not, you know, it's not something it's, it's 
it's a one note joke. Ha ha ha. Adults on trucks. But on MXC, they took that and they said, no, no, no. They, they played it like these are like they still called them tricycles, which is the brilliant thing. But they played them like, no, these are machine. These are you get behind one of these things. You are facing death with every turn. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, like he's going to need some back teen in his pink. But they're playing it. They're saying things like he's going to need some back teen in his pinky if, after this race. Oh, man, he just skidded me. I can't believe he's continuing. And <laughs> theirs is obviously much funnier than what I'm saying. But even though they're saying this thing, they're playing it absolutely 100% like it's a real yes. – like a real NASCAR race. I love that so Which is much. kind of what you'd think would happen at a carnival. You know, people are throwing basketballs at a hoop. They're, they're throwing basketballs at a hoop. And if you get the basketball in the hoop, you win a stuffed animal. If you don't get the basketball in the hoop – you don't get you, you get nothing happens. You, you, you right. paid two dollar. You paid your dollar fifty, whatever. You know, like. But they don't comment on like that. They comment on it like, you know, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's the end of a, a whole game. Like yeah. there's a lot riding on this, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of commotion, and they're trying to attract more people over to play the next round. So they're going to like ham it up a little bit. Yeah, and I but, think. Yeah. That's what you do. You certainly could have the tricycle race. Yeah. And if you do, you got to ham it up. You got to play it like it's a real IndyCar race. And I think having the sound effects would like add a lot, even though that's like really dorky and cheesy. It's like the really nice uh, go-karts kind of sound like a real car. And it's like, it's kind of, it gets you more into the, the flavor of it. And it's also a lot goofier watching these little tiny vehicles, you know, sputter around, but they sound like real machines. Like, that's awesome. I think hiring our announcers is going to be super clutch. And uh, if we just get really funny people or people who like to act totally seriously and put those guys in charge of these like goofy events where they totally act like it's very serious and and it's not like a laughing matter at all, but they can play it totally straight like that. That is where it's at. That's awesome. And that was the one thing that with the show that shall go nameless and a lot of the kind of shows that sort of rode in on the heels of MXC, mm-hmm. which is they they kind of didn't quite get the formula down right. Yeah, I agree. Because if you watch MXC, the, the two commentators are Vic Romano and Kenny Blankenship. Kenny Blankenship is basically the loser in the back of the class who, you know, could barely add, but because he he was that guy who always got ahead in life through basically sheer dumb luck right and so basically he got this job because someone owed somebody a favor and that's how he ended up being the host of the show and then you have the other character who's vic romano who was basically this top tier you know a lister news journalist who had interviewed like gold of my ear and it had you know one of the top journalists in the world but who had these incredible demons that ended up coming back to haunt him to the point where he ended up blowing his career when he tried to punch the president's wife in an interview. <laughs> and so basically his career was in ruins and he had to take this job of this. And again, these are fictional characters, but he had to take this job basically mm-hmm. as a means of survival. So they interplayed with each other. And that's something that I think is really missing with a lot of the, I guess I would say the clones. Yeah. I agree. And, and I mean, a lot of the clones are, are comical as well, but not nearly to the level and mastery that MXC got. It is very um, 
juvenile at some points, but it's, you know, there's a lot of moments that are like laugh out loud funny from this show. It is, you know, 2004 to 2007. I think those were the years it ran. Like, that's the era of humor. So it doesn't all hold up amazingly well, but it's still pretty good. Like, there, you know, the a lot of the jokes were written by the Groundlings, which is kind of cool. If MXC had, a, you know, a new, like, Netflix reboot, I think um, there'd be some a lot of uh, commentary and stuff going on on Twitter about, you know, this thing's a little scandalous once in a while. And I think that fits the brand, like... I think that works. Yeah. I think it plays to the our audience. Which like, I love MXC, but you could probably not get away with it today, just with all of the. Uh, and again, I think there. I'm trying to remember a lot of the the not so PC jokes. Yeah, that I'm, they would do. Every once in a while, like a lot of them were just making jokes about these specific occupations or whatever the different teams are, because it was always set up like a big like playoff between two different groups of people. And so then they had, you know, half of an episode to make fun of that group of people and, like, make jokes about them and have, like, punny names and stuff like that. So I think in a way, because everyone gets joked about... That's why it works is you have the playoff of just two people who have nothing in common. Yeah. Like, death versus novelty gifts. <laughs> like, it's not... Even though they did do this, it's not like Democrat-Republican. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they did do a Democrat versus Republican show at one point, but that's... Most of the time, it's random matchups. Yeah. And I'm wondering if if we should have it set up so that it's uh, maybe every other person in line is randomly assigned. You know, you're a construction worker, and we're going to make construction worker jokes about you. Or if we should do it where you actually join a team once you get there. It's like you're, you know, today we have these eight teams competing go to the one that best represents you or whatever. And it could be, yeah, I don't know. Just pick like eight of those kind of goofy MXC type categories. And if one actually is your profession, then go join that one. Or you can just go to one with your family if you want to. Just pick whichever one you want to be a part of. And uh, then you're kind of competing against the other teams and have it be a real, you know, actual competition. Like we are kind of keeping score here, even though it is just for laughs. And these are going to be our eight uh, topics for our jokes today are these eight teams. I think that would work. Yeah, there are definitely going to be some, you know, characteristics that you really like. And you're like, yeah, it's kind of cool to be a construction worker for the day or at least play on their team. But then maybe there are some that are not as fun. Like, I don't know, a team like Death, people are kind of, that's kind of cool. Like, there's a certain subset of the population that'd be like, yeah, I'll be on the Death team. That's that's rad. Um, but I think people always have something that speaks to them in some type of way. Well, you guys were talking about if you don't mind me bringing it up, maybe we're yeah. taking too long on this tangent. When you did, you talked about Survivor. Yeah. Um, this actually may have been a better example. So later on in Survivor, I mean, they did it a little bit, but they were doing things like brains versus brawn versus beauty. Mm-hmm. Or what was the, the, there was like blue collar teams versus uh, white collar teams versus no collar teams. Um, now, they, they create this thing for TV. I don't think they cast those seasons of survivor who's blue collar who's white collar who's no collar or who's a brain who's right like where do you draw the lines there's certainly some where it's like they're really pushing to say this person is a white collar worker like yeah a blue collar worker whatever you know like which now which is why i don't watch survivor anymore which is because now they've really gotten into that where they're just arbitrarily assigning a title to someone Hmm. huh funny how that works I'm big on MXC, not so big on Survivor. But with Survivor, they're really playing it up, whereas with MXC, like, this footage is decades old. Yeah. So 
and it's like totally out of context like that is not at all the original person's profession or name or their voice you know it's it's all uh, a fiction all the audio is unrelated to all the video which is kind of cool i've talked with some of the people that were on the show in 1986 wow people that were living in japan at the time uh, and it's, it's always interesting when you have a guy who's like, yeah, I did that thing. Uh, I was living in Japan at the time. Then I, you know, came back to visit the U S and I turned on TV. Oh, Hey, it's that thing I did. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, you, they've taken you completely out of context and made a big joke about you, but it's still your face on there. Well, there was one guy, there was a, like, cause they had an American cast member who like was mm-hmm. like a baseball player who's big and who like ended up moving to Japan and like ended up on this show as like a cast member. Huh. And I never talked to him. I tried to get a hold of him. He died before I could talk to him. But um, I talked to people who worked on MXC who, who I guess had some sort of interaction with him. And he apparently was not a fan (laughs) of what MXC did Hmm. to him because they're, they made him out to be because, and they said this like, well, we just made him out to be this big dumb guy. Which kind of which fit the thing, but I, I guess he wasn't happy about he he was either very unhappy that he he was being played to be a dumb guy, or he was very unhappy that footage of him was being shown and he wasn't making any money off of it. Right. So <laughs> both again, of those make sense. Poison. But the contest most of the contestants either you know again it's one of those weird quirky things where I think most of them just either either ignored it or they're like oh yeah and I, I remember talking to one guy. Who said he was like oh, I was so upset that they never said anything about me. Yeah, like they didn't they didn't use me they didn't use the footage of me on there, and, right, and make up sense. a fake name for me. Yeah, it's yeah it's it's fun to be included, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be different here because you know everyone knows that they're going to have jokes made about them. Like right. it's kind of a quick turnaround, whereas this is. You know, decades later, almost decade and a half later, when they started making MXC. It's been a long time. You know, those people are in a different phase of life at this point, whereas our people would be there to do that. Like, they know what they're in for. So I don't think people would feel as bad about it. But I don't know. There's always sometimes if you make a joke at someone else's expense that you're going to hurt their feelings, and that's something to consider maybe or include in the the waiver. (laughs) It's like your feelings may be hurt, your bones may be broken, you might die. Um, but we're all going to have a good time. And you get a t-shirt for coming. Hey, there you go. I feel like you can at least give them a free t- free something for coming. Yeah. No, I more think than that's just good. a memory. And maybe the t-shirt is of what, what guild you're in that yeah. day, you know, like what your team you're playing for is. Mm. Oh, yeah, like cool. the survivors get to keep their bops at the end, I'm told. Well, they used to. I don't know if they still do. Yeah. Like you I get to keep do. something. I yeah. think they, I think they... Well, I think they may have stopped because, like, they were worried. Because I think, like, at a certain point, some of them were, like, selling them on eBay. Yeah, I was going to say, they, that's my evidence that they do get them. Or at least they did at one point. They, they did at one point. And then they, but then they were like, okay, we need to stop letting people keep these because we don't want people selling them on eBay and making a – and, uh, like, because it's, cause it's, like, spoiler territory, even though now they don't give a crap about spoilers. True. Although Good some point. more on the Survivor podcast. But, um – I think that's why they I don't they put like hey you can get a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. It sounds or, fun. Yeah. Or Okay, now you're going to think I'm a real loser. Um Oh good. Finally. I because ha- I've been researching the original show for a, for a project. I actually bought this off of a Japanese website. I actually have 
one of the original release waivers for the show. What? Yeah. For yeah, I, wish, I wish I had the castle. Yeah. Or for MXC. Takeshi's castle. Wow. I wish I had video so I could show you. I I can take a photo and send it to you later. But That's like it's amazing. an actual waiver of what it was, and along with like instructions about like you know, report to this place. Here's a map. You can bring <laughs> you know however many. You can bring like four people to watch stuff like that. That's so cool. Wow, what a neat piece of memorabilia. That belongs in a museum. Maybe I'll start one one day. That's so cool. I mean, your YouTube channel, in a way, is a museum. Like, yeah. anything that's an archive uh, is, yeah, a lot like a museum, just not as publicly accessible. But with YouTube, it is. Mm-hmm. There's one game where it's like you put on these goofy looking shoes and on the original shows, you know, everybody runs out, puts on these goofy looking shoes and runs across this big, like, I think it was like a sticky sheet, like a giant white sticky thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what they said it was on. That's what it was on the original show. And took that footage and they're like, well, it's just people putting on shoes, you know, running across something like, how do we make this interesting? And someone has the bright, someone on MXC had the bright idea of, well, what if what if that's like a huge cookie sheet that's like, you know, been preheated to like 450 some odd degrees <laughs> and they're putting on these shoes to keep their feet from burning off. So I feel like that's something you could do that people would play into. Like, obviously, we're not going to have people running over a giant cookie, a giant cookie sheet. Right. But you could certainly say you could certainly tell people run over that like you are running over a like when you step on that. Act like it. you are stepping on a huge cookie sheet. You know, the hypnotists that perform in front of crowds, stuff, like, they pull people up, and, you know, the people generally go along with it. Now, we can debate why, like, they're not really hypnotizing them. Mm-hmm. But the people go with, <laughs> okay, let's, <laughs> for the sake of argument, let's say they're not really being hypnotized. All right, all right. But they're going along, so let's say for that, but they're going, they go along with it. Uh-huh. I think oh, yeah. something about being in front of a crowd where people just go along with something. Very true. Very true. And There's feel... a kind of improvisational nature to this, you know, that connection to the ground links. It's like, just kind of get into it and have fun. Like, it's a, a goofy TV show. Go for it. And I feel like the people that wouldn't go for it wouldn't come. So Good point. And indeed... We know our audience. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the games don't translate well if you, unless you're Japanese. Like, if you're not Japanese... You you look at this and you're going like, why are these people dressed like dolls, playing Red Rover? Like I don't understand this game. Or yeah. uh, Red Light Green Light. Or um, is it Red Light Green Light or Rover? Ro- which which one's the one where you turn around and don't see and then you turn around? I um, guess I matter. think Red Light Green Light. Okay, so, um, but basically it's people wearing giant, uh, like. Um, do you know what a Daruma doll is? People at home may not know what that is. But yeah, but let's explain it anyway. It's a giant. It, well, it's it's not a giant. It's pretty big. It's like a huge red spherical doll with a human face on it. And you, the idea is you paint one eye in Japanese. The idea is you paint one eye in. You make a wish, and then when your wish comes true, you paint the other eye in. Well, there's exactly. a there's a song in Japanese. There's a children's game in Japanese apparently called. Mr. Daruma has fallen down. What it is, is it's basically red light, green light, where, you know, huh. you turn around and you say this thing in Japanese, this saying, Mr. Daruma fell down, and then you turn around. 
and when you turn around, they have to stop moving. And so they thought of the idea. They thought of the idea of we'll put these people in giant Daruma dolls, and have them walk up a hill, and when the guy turns around, like saying the thing, when the guy turns around, they have to stop, or they get pushed down the hill, or if they fall down on their own accord because they're in these big bulky things, they fall down, and that'd be kind of interesting to do, because you could probably have some cruel, sadistic teenager who'd be willing to stand at the top of the hill and do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that sounds fun. That's awesome. And, yeah, for those uh, Pokemon fans out there, Darumaka is, uh, basically looks like a Daruma doll or, or figure. That's where that inspiration comes from. But, yeah, I like those kind of Japanese culture things that, like you said, are never really referenced in MXC. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of Kabuki guys during the, like, maze uh area where you're kind of breaking through doors and stuff like that or and that'd be an easy fact, one that'd yeah that would be a, an easy one and very captivating Maze, which yeah. yeah maybe we should talk about that one there's i don't the the shape of it's kind of like a round it's honeycomb honeycomb that's right um it's like a bunch of hexagons and there's doors and you have to make your way through this maze and there's like like a bunch of like a i think it's like 16 pink hexagons that are like you know almost kind of a little bit bigger than like a portageon mm-hmm. and you try to make your way through and some of the doors will like lead to water and then but there's like one door you got to make your way through this maze to find that'll lead you to dry land but there's two guys in the maze who you know are going to try to grab you and throw you in the water or put black exactly. paint on your face which again putting black paint on someone's face i don't know how well that would play in today's market sure um but that's something you could, you could change easily- the color you could easily do that in the, which I think there actually was a version where they did that, where they changed the color. Uh, but that's something you could easily do in. Yeah, totally, in, and that would be really thrilling too. It's almost like a like going through a haunted house or yeah. something, where it's like I don't know what's behind this door, but I'm going to open it, and it's just that over and over and over again. Hopefully, until you find the right door, or until you just open one and run out into the water or into a big, scary kabuki guy. Which wasn't there a part in uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple that had just big dudes chasing you? When you go into the temple, um, yeah. where the winning team goes to the temple, and inside three of the rooms are temple guards. And if you enter That's the room, it. the temple guard's going to jump out and grab you, but you can give him a pendant and you can keep going. Right. But if you don't have a pendant, he takes you out, and then your partner has to your, – your teammate goes in. And that's such a, like yeah. – a captivating part for me as a as a viewer like i always like tense up when they're about to get got and same thing with mxc like just opening a door and there's the guy like there's the monster right there it's like such a scary feeling it's really fun to watch people (laughs) suffer through that there was um another game it's a sumo wrestling because because again they're not saying this is sumo wrestling on the american version but what it is is it's there's five they have five different sumo wrestlers and like one of them, like there's like an average guy. There's you know a woman sumo wrestler. There's a sumo wrestler who's like a really really scrawny guy. There's a there's like a real professional sumo wrestler, and then there's like a guy in a very very stiff mascot costume. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like it's very like if I put this on you and said go like I don't care how athletic you are if I put this on you and said go sumo wrestle someone you're probably going to lose no matter what <laughs> and what it what it how it worked is you'd pull you'd pull a little tennis ball out of a box and the color the color of like like kind of like a like a like a a hopper you can't see in the box so uh-huh. you don't know what color tennis ball you're playing you pull out a tennis ball 
and whatever color tennis ball you pull out corresponds to whoever you have to sumo wrestle. <laughs> and you could certainly do variations of that in the uh, if we did a theme park, like you could be maybe not sumo wrestler, but maybe you have to um, uh, what's it like tug of war, which they also kind of did. Like mm-hmm. you know, five different levels of tug of war guys. Like you pull That's out awesome. a random thing, and you, this determines who you have to go play tug of war with. And uh, but what I love about that, and it's something that I think would incorporate well in America, is uh, on. And this is more of an aspect of the original show, which is you'll have these people who will pull out a tennis ball, and it'll be like, okay, you got to go face that the actual sumo wrestler in a sumo match. And what I always find amazing when I watch it is like. They do it. Right. Like, they still do it. Like, they, they <laughs> know true. you're going up against a real sumo wrestler. But, but it's not an automatic it. loss. It's yeah. like, you have to actually go do that. Well, not even, like, you have to do it. Like, if, if you're there, as far as I know, there's nothing that says you have to do this. Right, right. But they still do it. Uh-huh. And it's sort of, that's, again, that's kind of a Japanese thing of, like, well, you, you promised to do it, so you got to do it. Like, all yeah, right, I, accept my I said I'd do it, so I'll do it. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of, it's just, it's kind of, I don't want to say, I, I don't like using the word weird to describe any of this stuff because mm-hmm. it's someone's culture, but it's kind of a, I would say almost an admirable, admirable thing that you're, you're going to go sumo wrestle a guy, a woman pulls out that ball, you got to go, a small Asian woman, go sumo wrestle that guy. And he's not going to, you know, he's not going to treat you like an, like an actual thing. He's going to probably. You know, but still, they do it, even mm-hmm. though they know there's no chance that they're gonna win. I love that spirit of, "Yep, this that just happened to me. Like I got the bad one, but oh well, let's see what happens." Mm-hmm. That's a great way to approach a challenge. Mm-hmm. If you did it like Takeshi's Castle, the obvious thing is at the end of the day, you'd have people in some sort of cart battle that's almost impossible to win. Right. You wouldn't get, away. but still theoretically possible. Like it's not, it's not totally unfair. Oh, it's totally. But then unfair, again, you know, if you, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> you're, it's, it's, loss I mean, the, is not. It is winnable. Yeah, it's winnable. Loss. It's like winning the uh-huh. lottery. It's you could win. It's extremely. It's like beating the sumo wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> like you could do it, and you should try, but you probably won't win. I love that. And then if you do win, you know, then maybe you get added to the the hall of fame or you get immortalized as one of Takeshi's warriors or something like that. You know, you in the, in the canon of the story, it's like you have transcended our, you know, the regular everyday people and you've become one of Takeshi's warriors. And now you're, you know, your likeness is being used on as one of the bad guys. And then you win the iPod that they, they uh, give away. (laughs) If you manage to sink all 15 basketballs in the hoop at the carnival game, do they have that? Yeah. We just where you are, where it's like, (laughs) Uh, yeah, they, there's like some dinky prize that if you're the most amazing athlete on earth, you might be able to win. And it's like, I wouldn't even want that prize anyway. Or sometimes it is something that's pretty cool. You know, it's like uh, an HTC Vive. And it's like, yeah, someone could theoretically win this, but I don't think anyone's ever going to until this this prize is irrelevant, you know, in 45 years. And then years. they'll rig it so that someone wins, which, because you can, I think you can do that at a carnival. You can kind of, I, I don't know if carnivals operate under the same guise as a game show. Where, well, as far know. as I know, I don't see if there's any. I remember because we had Worlds of Fun here in Kansas City, and I remember uh-huh. going there when I was in high school, and it, it was one of these uh, things where you paid like five dollars. Like one of the many many carnival games they had was you paid like 
$5. And if you could sink like 15 baskets in, uh, I think it was like one minute, you know, you like you do five baskets at this station, five baskets at the center, and then five at the left. If you sank mm-hmm. all 15, you would get an iPod. And they have a guy like we talked about earlier talking about it, like commenting on it. And something might, because I was at school at the time, this was my, like our senior trip or whatever. And my English teacher says, points this out to me. He's going to get, I want someone to win the iPod. Like that's how confident they are. No one's going to win. They only have one prize. They only have the one prize. That's funny. Uh Uh-huh. So that's awesome. But that makes it feel like so much more sacred. It's like that iPod has been, you know, sneering at people for, for a long time, weeks and months here. And I could win the iPod. And then you feel ripped off when you realize that it's like the same iPod they've had for like five years. Because no one's yeah, ever done it. Exactly. I mean, I'm not going to win it. I doubt anyone's ever going to win it. But if, in the event that someone does win it, it's like, yay, I won. It's so funny going back to like old kids shows and it's like, you could win a yak back. It's like, weren't those like $6? Like, how is that a real prize? Oh, you don't give a crap about the prize. You just want to win. You know, yeah, it, you just want to play the game and to win, but like the idea that there's a half a percent chance that you could get this thing that you kind of want, it's like, well, now I really want it. Now that, you know, it's almost impossible for me to get it. Well, awesome. with Legends, like the trip is, you know, you get to go to Roseland Ranch and you get to you, you get to go to a dude ranch. Hey, that you know, go on, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's cool. Like, going to a dude ranch, that sounds kind of cool. But, you know, like, I, I don't know if that's like an aspiration in my life, like to go to a dude ranch. <laughs> but if right. you put me on that show... It's... And I won. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to the dude ranch. This is awesome. Totally. Things that you would never, like, ask Santa for. But, like, if it's the prize on a show, like, yeah, of course I want to win that. I want that really bad. Like, that would be the coolest thing ever. And then if you don't win it, you forget about it next week. It's like, (laughs) I don't know. I think that's really fun. I almost wish there was like a behind the scenes like featurette or if there was like a director's commentary to this show. If you bought the the first season on DVD, they had like three episodes with commentary. Wow. Where they talked about a lot of the stuff that went into it and um like the production and Well, they kind of talked about the history like So with MXC, this was just I don't I don't think we talked about how MXC got created. We kind of talked about what it was, but Let's go. Um yeah. So in 2001, uh, you remember Iron Chef was really big. Yeah, totally. That was a big thing. And so someone, so Paula Beta said, what if we did something with a foreign television show? And we just sort of took it and then we kind of changed it around a bit. And so they didn't have Takeshi's Castle in mind. They went, they went to like an, a, a syndicator who had a bunch of foreign television shows on tape. And he told Paula Beta told me, and he says this on the DVD. We watched fifty to sixty foreign shows. Wow! Not just Japanese stuff. We watched stuff from Germany, like Eastern European, Indonesia, Taiwan, all sorts of stuff. We kept coming back to Takeshi's Castle because of how interesting it looked, mm-hmm. and plus we knew there was however many hours of it, and there was consistent characters, so we just knew. We can make this work. 
And so that was really the beginning of it. And so, and then they had this footage and they said, well, what do we do with the footage? Like, how do we play this? And they said, what if we play it like a sports competition and then we can develop these characters. And so they developed the character, the Kenny Blankenship character, the Vic Romano character. MXE was everything I ever wanted television to be, which was simple and funny. Yeah. And I was shocked at how nothing at the time out there was like, like, and television still does tend to take itself way too seriously. Mm -hmm. Like you look at something like the aforementioned, like Ninja Warrior or Survivor or Amazing Race. It's when you look at it, it's the most patently ridiculous thing ever. But they take it, they play it with absolute unironic severity. Yes. It's like an actual sporting event. Like there's yeah. not going to be any laughter here. There's not going to be any room for jokes. It's kind of rough. Like I, I really love the irreverence and humor that MXC has. I think that that approach works a lot better for me. There's a winner at the end of the day, but they're not really a winner. Yeah, like, who, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. It's even though which is weird because I remember rooting at the time. I'm like, man, I sure hope that the I sure hope that the oil industry beats the makeover people. <laughs> Like I remember rooting at the time, but now I look at it like, like, did it really matter? Did it affect anything if the, if the people with phobias ended up losing to the film industry? I don't think it mattered. Right. True. It means but... nothing, and that's the thing with a lot of these shows is people take them way too seriously. And even at the, I don't think I ever took MXE that seriously. Mm -hmm. Like I never was sitting there like, oh man, I can't believe the the, the video gamers didn't win. I was just like, oh okay. Like I laughed. I had fun. I would have liked for them to have won, but they didn't. Yeah. Whatever. I think it's it's more about the experience and about the challenges and well I mean that's the part I really love about that show is the challenges like I don't the survivor part like eh the uh, social part eh, but like the challenges are really fun but then again I don't care who wins I kind of just want to see them showcased and you know see some people do some cool moves and see some people fall down and that's what it's all about and MXC has all of that and an added layer of of off the wall comedy mm -hmm. it's it's so good. I wish they would do a modern reboot of it, you know, where where I can be maybe a little bit more proud of the jokes that are on there or like the content being uh, more PC in a way. <laughs> With these shows, it's fun to see it taken out of its original context and re- you know, remade in a new form, kind of mm -hmm. like uh, MSC3K in a way, or like um, C-Lab 2021, or those kinds of shows where it's like, here's this thing that is, you know, kind of existing material that we're recontextualizing and making into a totally different type of show. I, I think there's something a lot of, something really magical in that. As someone who spends a lot of time editing, you know, videos and podcasts mm -hmm. and stuff, you can totally transform something by editing it a lot. And that's what they do with, with these shows, you know, overdubbing the audio and, and changing the visuals a little bit maybe or leaving them totally authentic and just editing it around. It's awesome. Well, it's something someone said to me when I interviewed them. And like, you know, because there are – there I have read these comments. I They're insane to me, but I've read them, which is people saying MXC is stupid not because of what it – but because they're changing it and making it crass and just changing the dialogue and everything – you know, and I asked, you know, what's your response to that? And he's like, well, you can watch the original if you want. Yeah, it's, it's out already, there. It already exists. Why do it again? You know, we're not we're not taking it away from you. It's, and same with like Mystery Science. There's a lot of people who don't like Mystery Science 
for science theater for what it is, which is making fun of older movies, right. whether you agree with it or not. And the the answer I use to that is always, well, the original is out there. If you want to watch Earth versus the Spider without the mystery science commentary, you can do that. No one's going to stop you. That's a good point. This has nothing to do with theme parks. But... <laughs> no, but it's a good conversation and it's related to our topic. Yeah. If someone watches this mm-hmm. episode or, or listens to this episode, I bet that they have some interest in, in MXC. At least I hope so. Or they just love the show so much that uh, they're willing to go on these tangents with us. So it's all good, man. I hope so. Awesome. Well, Joshua McLeod, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Thank you for having me. This has been a, a fun voyage. I appreciate uh, I know it was kind of late notice. I was just kind of reaching out to some of my, you know, some of my podcast connections through Empowered and uh, anybody want to record an episode really soon? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never heard any episodes, but I'll jump on board. Like, I love that. It's it's kind of like the thing where you pulled the wrong tennis ball and you have to wrestle the sumo. But hey, you did it. <laughs> you know, it's a lot easier when I realize I don't have to edit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Originally, when I first started the show, I would edit like crazy until it was like a perfect sculpted thing. But now it's like, you know, I kind of just want to put a frame around this and call it art. You know, it's it's conversational. It's a real moment in time that happened. And I don't need to look perfect here. I don't need you to look perfect. It's like we are who we are. I might edit out some weird sound effects or if there's like a droning sound in the background or whatever. But, you know, if we kind of stammer a little bit, that's because uh, we're human and we're not trying to impress anybody. We're just being ourselves and sharing our thoughts. And yeah, so I do a lot less editing now. All right, Joshua McLeod, where should I send my audience? If anyone wants to learn more about you or check out your works, I mean, JM Archives on YouTube. Listen to the Misty cast. Um, now I'm just listening to stuff I've done like it's a resume. Oh, well. I've done two episodes of What's With You, Scooby-Doo, video games, and the Mandela Effect. I want to do I want to do a proper episode of, of What's With You, Scooby-Doo. Nick, if you're listening to this, I want to do a proper episode. I've done a Carton cast. I've done a bunch of Empowered. I've done... Do I want to tease this? Uh, so look forward to something very, very special in the future. Planning it for a while. I've been teasing it. There's something really, really special that may or may not relate to something we've said in this podcast that I hope to hope to do sometime next year. Fingers crossed. I don't want to say what it is. Cool. And if, if you liked the two of us working together, uh, you should check out the Amusement Sparks episode that we did on uh, MXC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, wait a minute. There's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't play basketball.